You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! Insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Scott Goldbranson, Mo Moten with you. We're going to dive into the latest news and views around the Raiders. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, Please do us a favor, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or get your audio. We'd appreciate that. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Watch there as well by subscribing and hitting the notifications bell. We're going to get right into it now. Josh Jacobs speaks. Not only that, but of course, Mostradamus again. If you watch the show and Mo, you tweeted out. By the way, Mo is the national NFL correspondent for covering the NFL. On Bleacher Report, he's also a Raiders columnist for SportsNot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Momoton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Goalie. The show is SNB Today on Twitter as well. Mo, last show, last week, you said, hey, watch Josh Jacobs' Twitter handle. We were talking about not being worried about him because he couldn't get to camp, obviously minicamp, because he does not have technically a contract because he has not signed his tender for his franchise tag, right? So we, we knew that. We talked about it. You said, watch his social media. And on cue, a few days later, he tweets this. He says, quote, sometimes it's not about you. We got to do it for the ones after us. So clearly... Josh Jacobs is talking about his own situation and getting paid. First of all, I want to get your reaction to your prediction around, or I should say prediction, your <laughs> statement that we should watch for his social media because he likes to say things on social media. Some players don't do it. They keep their business completely private. Others like to kind of subtweet or, in this case, directly tweet about his situation. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw it? I know you weren't surprised, but overall, your reaction to what Josh Jacobs said and what it means for his possibility of signing that tag and coming back to the Raiders in time for camp at the end of next month. 
Now, originally I said, if you remember, I was on the show and I said, wake me up when training camp starts when it comes to this Josh Jacobs situation. I should have said, wake me up when he starts tweeting. Um, because, <laughs> like I said, I, he's vocal on Twitter. So based on his tweet and people, are going, some people want to say, how do you know he was talking about his contract? Because I know that's what some people in the chat are going to say. He responded to a Raider fan under that original tweet. And the Raider fan basically said, get back on the field, sign your contract, get back to the team. He said, you know, basically you're, you're a fan. So you want to understand the situation I'm in. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but of course that's kind of what he was alluding to. And I, I will say my, my quick reaction is we, we could possibly be headed for a holdout. And if you're on Bleacher Report, I'm going to have a piece coming out on Wednesday that breaks mm-hmm. down the possibility of a Josh Jacobs holdout and how I feel about is it more? Is it more likely that he holds out? Is it more likely that he holds in, or do the Raiders trade him? And I'll get into those options in the Bleacher Report piece. But right now, I would say it's it's fifty fifty whether he holds out or not. Now, of course, the first thing we have to say is that there's a deadline. Some people say it's July fifteenth. Some people say it's July seventeenth. Depending on where you look, it's the fifteenth or the seventeenth. Whatever the case is, there is a deadline that the Raiders can sign Josh Jacobs to a multi year contract being that he's a franchise tech player or designated for the franchise tech because he hasn't signed it yet but after that date continue to look at josh jacobs twitter handle see how he feels about whether he you know if he comes to a deal in agreement with the raiders all is fine and dandy but if no deal is met and he starts to have more of these tweets about you gotta do it for the running backs gotta do it for the guys behind me more likely chance more likely chance that you're going to see a holdout now the question is how long we hold out if he doesn't get that deal Correct. But here's my take on it. I know a lot of fans won't like it, but I don't think he has any legs to stand on. Okay. Because you look at the situation. We just talked about Dalvin Cook getting released in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook had over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns last year. Yes. He didn't lead the league like Josh Jacobs. Okay. And again, this is not about not liking Josh Jacobs or the player he is, or the fact that he carried that Raider offense for most of last year. I'm not denying any of that. But my point here is we also saw Soquan Barkley, who's threatening to basically hold out. He has not signed his tag either, correct? And we've heard the reports, jo- uh, excuse me, Saquon Barkley wants upwards of $14 million a year. He's not going to get $14 million a year from the Giants. And Josh Jacobs is not going to get $14 million a year from the Raiders either. The position is what it is. He talks about got to do it for the ones after us. Do you think that any team is going to be the one be the one NFL team that says, okay, we're going to set this quarter this the running back market now at 14 million a season? I don't think so, Mo. We've talked about the reasons why the position isn't valued. People can argue that running back should be a higher value and they should make more money, but that's not what the market dictates. And this is where you have to separate the emotion from the business. Fans, yes. And don't tell me you went on NFL Network and you saw a bunch of ex-players talking about how Josh Jacobs needs the money. Of course, the players are going to have one another's back, even if they're retired. This is something we see every time there's a contract situation, the owners versus the players. The point is, Josh Jacobs, had his option been exercised last year, would have only made $8 million this year. Okay, So he's already, in essence, getting a premium because the position's at 10. The same can be said for Saquon Barkley. So saying he's doing it for the people after us, go talk to your union officials who or who who negotiated 
the latest collective bargaining agreement and that controls all of the tag information, the contract. My point is, I'm not saying a guy shouldn't get paid what he deserves, but what you deserve in your own mind versus what you deserve based on what the league is paying out to running backs is a very different story. It is. And if you've watched, I don't know if you've, you've seen it, but Saquon Barkley came out and he had a long answer about you know his contract situation with the Giants. And basically his message was, I'm, I'm a big part of what the Giants did last year and big part of their offense. Mm-hmm. And basically Daniel Jones didn't pick it up to the end of the year and I had to carry the load. And Josh Jacobs has a similar argument. He actually mentioned Josh Jacobs in his response. Josh Jacobs was the engine of the Raiders offense for the middle part of last year. But to your point, the market is what it is. And Saquon Barkley also mentioned this, that Miles Sanders, because he didn't hit the market, because Josh Jacobs didn't hit the market, it hurts Miles Sanders because if those guys were to get paid 10, you know, 14, 15 million, the Miles Sanders would have probably made more because he could say, well, I ran for this many yards or I ran for that many yards, had that many touchdowns. And I'm compared, not as good as those guys, but I'm maybe on, on tier two. And mm-hmm. he could probably bank maybe eight, nine million instead of six, seven million. So, I get it, but again, to your point, if you if you hit the market as a running back now, look at what happened with Dalvin Cook, and I wrote a piece about this on Sports Not. If Dalvin Cook signs with his next team, he gets more than the franchise tag, ten point one million, which I doubt. That's good news for Barkley and Jacobs. If he doesn't, if he's under ten million, that's bad news for Barkley yes. and Jacobs. I'm not saying he yes. sets the bar for them, but be, but remember. Dalvin Cook has run for over 1,100 yards in four consecutive seasons. I believe he's a three-time Pro Bowler. So if a player with those accolades and those numbers gets less than $10 million, Saquon Barkley and Josh Higgins, as you said, don't have strong legs to stand on because they're comparable players to Dalvin Cook, even though they're both younger. Right. And again, I want to reiterate, this is not any criticism of Josh Jacobs as the player because – his numbers last year speak for themselves. He had a great season. He carried that offense. There's no question. Again, though, it is a business. And here's the point I want to make as well, which is, you again, you talked about setting the market. Somebody, Do you think Dave Ziegler wants to be the guy that, 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 that folds and says, okay, yeah, we'll give you whatever you want? No. The other information, and I know, Mo, I think you mentioned it in one of your pieces, or we talked about it at the very least, which was, if you look at NFL running backs, even the best running backs, you go back to when Todd Gurley was playing well, you name the guy, any doesn't matter who it was. The reason why they always try to get the most money when they do now, because the numbers are overwhelming on the production going down after the first contract. Okay? So that is why teams are not willing to give that money because the data over the last 10, 15, even 20 years shows once you get past year five, it's diminishing returns, okay? So now if Josh Jacobs in his first two seasons won the rushing title twice, he might have been in a good position to negotiate a five-year deal, gets him to seven years or maybe even eight, and he would have had more leverage. But overwhelmingly, the league is not going to go there. And so I just don't understand. That's why you see the holding in situations that you do, right? We saw it last year with Darren Waller, and it worked for him, right? He got a contract. He got a contract. Arguably, yes, Josh Jacobs deserves it more than, uh, than, than Darren Waller did, but that time has passed. And again, he's going to make $2 million more. He could, If he steps away, if he holds out, 
to me, it's a bad precedent for him because it's not going to work out to your point. If Dalvin Cook signs for seven and a half million dollars or eight or nine million dollars, uh, Josh Jacobs isn't going to get much more than that. So you're actually going to lose money. I rather see if I'm if you're negotiating in good faith with the team, and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We have no idea. I'm not going to guess. But if I'm him, you got to show good faith. I'm not expecting him to show up at minicamp. He doesn't need to show up to minicamp. No big deal. He's not under contract anyway. He couldn't go. But you sign that tender. You come in and you're like, hey, you know, I got a tweaked hamstring. Whatever your reasoning is, we, that's what the new model is. I can understand it, okay? We're working on a deal. I'm going to give you until week one of the regular season. And I know they have to go to July 15th. But yeah, I could sign my tag and then we could decide. We could say, sign the tag. We're going to keep negotiating. But he's not doing that. He's taking the other tack at this point. We don't know. Another week could change everything. You just don't know. But I'm, 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 in the, I'm sitting here thinking that he's not helping himself. At the same time, I can respect the fact that he wants to stand on his principle. And if that's going to be his principle, I just don't know financially to say it's for the ones after us. I don't think he might think that sort of. I don't think it's that genuine. You got to worry about you. This might be the last time you get a contract. And if that's the case, if you're not meeting your number, try to do something or at least show up, play on your tag, make your $10 million. And then if you're that good and you have another great year, then you're on the free market next year and you see what you get. I'll play devil's advocate, not to your point, but a lot of people are saying, Josh Jacobs, don't hold out or sit out a season because look what happened to Le'Veon Bell. If you yeah. remember Le'Veon Bell, Missed the entire 2018 season with the Pittsburgh Steelers because he wanted a new deal. Wind up, again, missing the entire season and then signing with the Jets afterward. The Steelers had moved on with James Conner. What I will say is that J Josh Jacobs, and even Saquon Barkley's situation is not comparable to Le'Veon mm -hmm. Bell simply because the Pittsburgh Steelers had an all-pro wide receiver in Antonio, Antonio Brown before he went wild, crazy, out of his mind. They had Juju <laughs> Smith-Schuster, pretty decent wide receiver. And James Conner came up behind Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was a second-round pick. James Conner was a third-round pick. James Conner became a pro bowler in absence of Le'Veon Bell. The Giants and Raiders, well, the Giants particularly, don't have those type of playmakers outside of Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones will see what he looks like, but his numbers aren't impressive. Uh, they have Darren Waller now, but as we know, as Raider fans know, Darren Waller's hurt a lot. So yep. Darren Waller gets hurt, who's Daniel Jones going to throw to? I know mm -hmm. they got Isaiah Hodgkins there. He's coming up. He's okay. Darius, uh, Darius Slayton. Those guys are three, uh, number three wide receivers on most NFL teams. And the Raiders sense, yes, they do have Devontae Adams. They signed Jacoby Myers, so they have some perimeter weapons. They they drafted Michael Mayer, your guy, out of Notre Dame. So they have some perimeter weapons. But if Josh Jacobs is not there, you're handing the ball to Zamir White, uh, uh, McCormick, uh, mm -hmm. Britton Brown, those guys didn't get a lot of run because of how well Josh Jacobs played last year. So you don't know what you're getting at the running back position if you let Josh Jacobs walk. Now, the other option is, and Pro Football Talks Mike Flores suggested this, is what if the Raiders were to sign Dalvin Cook for less than the franchise tag is worth on Josh Jacobs and let Josh Jacobs and basically rescind the franchise tag and let Josh Jacobs walk? That would be a wild scenario. I don't think it happened because <laughs> I don't think so either. You no, know, Josh Jacobs knows the system already. He's he's a leader. He was a leader in that locker room. I think it sets a bad precedent to rescind the franchise tag from a leader in your locker room and then sign a veteran free agent for less. To me, it just seems like a cost cutting move. Where I understand football is a business, but you want to be careful about how you. Not that the head coaches are beholden to players, but you have to be careful with the locker room, especially after 
the season that the Raiders had last year. You don't want to yes. fracture that locker room and let Alita go and bring in a veteran. That's a poor move on the Raiders' part if they were to go that route. Yeah, and Jacobs is a good leader. We saw him emerge more so last year as a leader in that locker room in 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 year four. So so you got to give him credit for that. And again, in closing, I'm not taking sides here. I just think the team has the leverage. To your point, and the scenario you just outlined with Dalvin Cook, I I hope it doesn't happen either for all the reasons you said. But the fact that it could has to play in the mind of Josh Jacobs' agent and himself because they have options. Now, to your point, if they don't do that and they just go with the guys on the roster like Zeus and, and Bertain Brown and all those guys, yeah, it's it's more of an – but you're already sort of in a mini rebuild, I know, and it wouldn't make uh, Devontae Adams very happy, I'm sure. But I just think here, again, not taking sides, I just don't think Josh Jacobs has a lot of leverage here uh, and clearly, if they were close to a deal, he wouldn't have tweeted something like that. If you're close to a deal, you're happy. Your agent's telling you, hey, we're getting close. Don't say anything. We're going to get done. So clearly, the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, based on what he said publicly, are probably not close to a deal, which tells you where they're at. So we'll have to see all it plays out and how whether or not it was a good or a bad strategy for uh, Josh Jacobs to speak out. When players are quiet and you don't hear anything about contract negotiations, usually that's a good sign that things there's communication between the two sides and there's exchanging of contract numbers once it goes public and you hear players speak out publicly like Quan barkley did or use social media to kind of posture their position usually that means they're posturing their position because they're they're trying to get some <laughs> leverage on their side so just keep that in mind yeah we'll see how it all rolls out all right we're going to take our first break when we come back here on silver and black today we're going to talk about another raiders player that most said probably would be gone maybe by this time, but chances are uh, that might not happen. And there was a report recently about this player, and we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We're coming back right after these words. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Segment number two here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Also on YouTube, hit the notifications bell after you hit subscribe. 
By the way, later tonight, yes, if you're listening to us in the morning in your commute, later tonight, the Las Vegas, or I should say Vegas Golden Knights can close out the Stanley Cup Championship at home at T-Mobile Arena, right off the Las Vegas Strip there. Uh, Mo, Las Vegas might get its second professional championship. Of course, the WNBA Las Vegas Aces won the championship just this past spring, and now the Golden Knights get a chance. Just imagine if they win the Stanley Cup, which to me, as far as the men's sports go, it is the most difficult championship to win because of the length of the playoffs and the physicality of the game, of course. But it would be something, and I wonder how much Raider, how much pressure that'll put on the Raiders to get better fast when your uh, brother franchise or sister franchise, however you want to put it, uh, right down the street might win a championship uh, in only its first you know, half a decade in Las Vegas. But exciting times in Las Vegas tonight. There might be a, a lot of partying going on, more than usual, of course, on the Las Vegas Strip. Quick, quick, Scott, say something nice about the Las Vegas Aces before I go into my diatribe. The Las Vegas Aces are the first Las Vegas professional sports team to win a championship. I say major league sports. For those of you, I went to see some pom pom waving, but I guess I can't (laughs) go that far. But no, seriously though, I, I look. The Vegas Knights came in guns blazing. I believe they were a playoff team their first year in Vegas. They went the to Raiders, the Stanley Cup Finals. They went to the Stanley right. Cup Finals, yeah. The Raiders didn't come into Vegas like that. <laughs> so no, no, I think no. the expectations between the Knights – I get your point, but I, I I feel like the expectations of the Knights and the Raiders aren't on, on, the, on the same tier just because of how the first year of the Knights went and how the first year in Vegas for the Raiders went. And it's just – they're just not on the same expectation level. But I will say when you have championships going around your, your area and you're – coming off a 6-11 season with a star wide receiver, you know, people start to talk like, okay, we, yeah. we got the Knights. Fans start to talk. Locals start to talk. Okay, we sure. got the Knights. You know, the Aces look like they, they can win another one. They made some moves in the offseason. You know, we could they get did. another another professional team in the near future, maybe not the Athletics, but maybe we get another team because you heard about how that went. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Like, he, you know, if you're the Raiders and you are in the National Football League, and we all know football is king, you don't want to be, and this is no disrespect to the NHL and WNBA, but you don't want to be the third team in your market behind those behind those franchises. No. Because the NFL is so big and so grand, you would think that fans, when you go to Vegas, automatically they're Raider fans. They're like, well, the Raiders have been playing so well, so not as many fans as you would think in this area. Well, and if you look at the sports, too, I mean, you're talking about hockey is the number four sport behind football, basketball, and baseball. And then the WNBA, I don't even know where it's at. I'm going to I'm gonna assume it's not in the top 10. It might be top 10. I don't know yet. But uh, as far as spectator sports go, that is. So, so, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, imagine you're the only other major league team in the city. And, yes, you have three championships from when you weren't in the city. So they don't really count. They count for the franchise, but not for Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting, but uh, I will be watching uh, late into the evening to watch the Golden Knights. Hopefully they close it out at home, and uh, I know fans that are fans of both teams will enjoy that tonight. Speaking of the Strip, you know, there's a lot of slot machines on the Strip, Mo. (laughs) And the Raiders have their own slot machine, of course. Hunter Renfro is a guy we've talked a lot about with the Raiders loading up on slot receivers we both agreed that his time in Las Vegas, due to his contract, primarily because the Raiders have other needs, they could do other things with the money, 
that he might be on his way out of town. In fact, I think you pegged it at about a 50-50 or it was higher than that. No, you said like 70, 80, 90 percent. I think I went as high as 95 percent at one point. Right. 95 percent. And it may still happen. We don't know. But this week, The Athletic, Deshaun Reed reported that there wasn't anybody really hot after Hunter Renfro, that he wasn't in demand, and that what he was hearing was that there was no real market for him. Number one, are you surprised by that? And number two, that can change when we get into camp, can it? Number one, it doesn't surprise me. Even though I expect Hunter Renfro to be moved at some point, it doesn't surprise me because of his contract. Remember, the Raiders gave him an extension last offseason. I believe it's fully guaranteed this year. It was fully guaranteed after the third day of the 2023 league year. If you remember, I put out a tweet as soon as the league year switched in March. I said, hey, you know, the Raiders could make a move because if Hunter Renfro isn't moved, his contract becomes fully guaranteed, and it was on a Friday. He passed that deadline, and people kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, they're not going to trade Hunter Renfro. We passed the third day of the league year. He's staying. He's going to be on the roster in 2023. But then if you look at his contract, yes, it is fully guaranteed, but it's not – it's not – lucrative to the point where there's no way they're going to move him with that contract because he's not paid as one of the top 15 wide receivers in the league yes it's a fully guaranteed deal but it's not like he's making Tyreek Hill AJ Brown money you know (laughs) he's he's in that he's in that I like the third tier when it comes to payments on on yearly salary so to your second point I, I think that yes it could change I don't hope I don't wish injuries on any team or any person but every year we see this happen. A wide receiver goes down. You know, a tight end goes down. One of your primary pass catches goes down, and the team needs to replace that production. What do they do? They call up other teams who may be willing to part ways with decent football players. And we all know Hunter Renfro, two years ago, over 1,000 years re- receiving, when the Raiders had issues with injuries of their own, he stepped up and he, he was their main pass catcher. So I'm sure teams took note of that. So if there are injuries – Renfro, the Raiders could probably get an early call, even if there aren't any injuries. I feel like that whole thing where his market doesn't exist could change because as we get close to the season, there are cuts, there are, there are trades, there are other moves, there are guys that maybe not panning out as, as we thought, as teams thought they would. They're going to be looking for wide receivers, and we all know wide receivers is a, is a premium position now. So I would still say, while I'm not 95% sure now that Hunter Renfro gets moved, I still Still put it at a pretty high percentage. Still at about 80, 85 percent because of what the how the Raiders roster is constructed right now. Right, and both of us have been Hunter Renfro fans. Of course, everyone who's been listening to the show for a long time knows that he was a weekly contributor when I was on Raider Nation Radio. We had him on the show every week to talk about the game prior and, of course, preview the game coming up. So we love him, Hunter Renfro. But the elephant in the middle of the room here, believe it or not, is yes, Hunter Renfro had the 2021 thousand yards. He had nine touchdowns, right? Last year gets injured. If you look at the career of Jacoby Myers, I'm not saying Jacoby Myers is a, a, a perennial all pro or anything. But if you look at Jacoby Myers' stats, been pretty consistent outside of 300 yards his first season. Uh, I think he's had over 700 or 800 yards per season. Uh, in the NFL. So actually, Jacoby Myers, you can get into the argument here, which is like, okay, you could say Hunter Renfro last year got hurt. But if you look at the record there and the, the stats, Jacoby Myers is a pretty good receiver. I know people don't want to admit that because they love Hunter Renfro. But if I'm looking at it and you look at it from just a pure numbers and consistency perspective, he's been more consistent. The, the one knock against Jacoby Myers is that 
he's not very good in the red zone. I remember yes. he went uh, he went a record number of games played without scoring a touchdown, and he finally broke through that uh, season ago, I believe. So not much of a red zone threat, and that's been the Achilles heel for the Rays in recent years. I believe Hunter Renfro has probably had nine touchdowns. But remember, he, he had that continuity with Derek Carr, who's no longer in Las Vegas now in right. New Orleans. How will, he, how will Hunter Renfro click with Jimmy Garoppolo? But I want to present a situation to you, Scott. And I know, and as you said, I know fans love Hunter Renfro. But would you rather trade Hunter Renfro for a starter on your defense, wherever <laughs> it is, safety, cornerback, linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle? Linebacker. Would you, rather, would you rather trade Hunter Renfro for a starter on defense or have Hunter Renfro on your roster at his current contract with 15 catches at the end of the season? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing you bring. It's it's the right question to ask, Mo. Absolutely. The other thing there, too, is if you look at the way Hunter Renfro, especially, and nothing, I, I don't take away anybody's accomplishments. I mean, he had a great 2021. But again, look at 2021. Uh, Devontae Adams wasn't there. You had, of course, um, uh, Darren Waller was in and out of the lineup for and banged up most of the year. So he wasn't 100%. So he was kind of option one. A lot of the times now you get on a team where you have four options, you have a stud rookie line or excuse me, tight end. Suddenly, what are his chances to put up numbers like that? I don't think there is significant. I think that year was a little bit of an aberration just because they had to use him. He had to get more balls because Derek Carr didn't have many options. So you take that into the equation and you're right. I think he's more expendable. And if he does get traded, wish him well, hope he succeeds. And, and I hope he gets a thousand yards somewhere. But I just think that despite the fact that the reports are there isn't much of a market now, I agree with you 100%. Get into camp, people get hurt, trades happen, and suddenly the phone will start ringing. Absolutely. And what I mean by the 15 catches thing is, Devontae, first of all, and I point this out in the piece, when Jimmy Garoppolo was successful with the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers had the fourth fewest pass attempts in both this, those seasons. Yes. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw the ball a whole lot. So when you yeah. factor in the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo may not throw the ball a whole lot, you got Devontae Adams there, you drafted Michael Mayer in the second round as a pass catching tight end, you, you signed Jacoby Myers. How many targets is Hunter Renfro really going to get? And this is why I say he's not going to have that many catches in the season. So instead of having him be the third, fourth option in your passing offense, that's a little more conservative with Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd rather trade him and get a start on defense. You get more out of it that way. And that's that's my point. It's yeah. not that I want to trade Hunter Renfro and get rid of him. I don't like him. It's how can it help how can it help the Raiders his value? How can his trade value help the Raiders down the road? Is it better to have him as your fourth, best, third or fourth best receiver? Or trade him for a starter on your defense to help your defense, which has struggled the past few years, several years, I should say. Yeah, and and with all of the players who've agreed to restructuring, notice that he hasn't been one of them. That's not his fault. I'm sure they haven't approached him. But that also speaks volumes to me, because if they wanted to keep him and they thought that they needed to keep him, they could have also done that, too. They could have restructured this deal. Uh, to reduce that cap hit and free up some cash. And they just didn't do that. So we'll have to see. And you know what? I think it would be better for Hunter Renfro, to your point, go to a team where they're flinging the ball over a lot more and he's going to have more opportunity and he's going to be happier to show what he can do. So maybe it'll work out for both sides. I know it would be hard for Raider Nation to say goodbye to him. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to happen as we see the Raiders load up on slot receivers. All right, that's the close of segment two. When we come back to close out the show... Tom Brady talk, oh no, yes, has nothing to do with the fumble, has nothing to do with him coming back. It's a different story. We're going to talk about Tom Brady, Raiders owner, 
right after this. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Stay right where you are. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo Moten, Scott Goldbranson with you. We're talking Raiders football. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Hello to everybody on YouTube. We appreciate you watching as well. And we're back and we are talking Tom Brady. Yes, Mo, Tom Brady, that guy, the GOAT. I know Raider fans don't like to say that, but he is. You got to go with that. Uh, but Tom Brady, no, he's not coming back. No, he's not going to play quarterback. But Tom Brady this week, Mo, spoke about his ownership. He got asked in an interview why or how he felt about and to talk about his ownership of the Raiders. So I'm going to put that up on the screen for YouTube viewers. And for those of you listening on the audio side, on the podcast side, I'll read it to you. Now, there's one sentence in here I know that Raider fans won't like, so I'll start with that one. It starts with, here's Tom Brady speaking, quote, I grew up in the Bay Area. My favorite team was the 49ers. Okay, I know. If you're still with me, the team across the Bay was the Raiders. <laughs> and you know, they're an iconic NFL franchise. When I look at a lot of the people that have impacted the NFL over a long period of time in the most positive way, former Raiders owner and GM Al Davis is one of them. And he's not with us anymore, but I've heard incredible stories. And then the opportunity came about to begin in my, to become a minority owner in the Raiders. It was a dream come true for me. I'll be playing a very passive, again, I'll be playing a very passive role. This is something that I'm interested in doing for the rest of my life. This is not something that I've been into for a year or two years. So there you go, Mo. He's talking about um, the ownership of the Raiders, besides saying that he was a 49er fan as a kid, it happens. Um but it's interesting because he says clearly he wants to be a passive owner. So any thoughts of him going down there to train with the quarterbacks? And I said this on a couple of shows ago. I said he's he's got a, a situation, divorce. He's got kids. He wants to spend as much time as a kid. So he's going to be he'll probably be in for game days, and that's about it. But um, it'll be interesting, though, because his point about wanting to be involved with the game for the rest of his life, and, 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 and as an owner, he can do that, even as a passive owner – I'm interested, from your point of view, outside of his playing ability and what he did in his career, which is amazing, what else does he bring to the table? If you're a Raiders fan and you're really trying to find out why it's good that he's a minority owner, what springs to mind for you? Well, the first thing that obviously has to come to mind is he was the centerpiece of a dynasty in New England. Mm -hmm. So if anything, and I've seen Raider fans say this, that if he can just, and I'm not saying, you know, Tom Brady's King Midas or anything, but he was part. He was part of of an act of a team that. And I know people want to bring up the you know the, the stuff that happened to Flate Gate and all of that stuff, Spy Gate. I get it, but he understands what it looks like or what it's supposed to look like. And a lot mm -hmm. of fans have criticized Mark Davis for his football decisions, right? So if Mark Davis is now leaning on a guy who's done it on the field, and that doesn't make Tom Brady a great, you know part owner because we've seen you know michael jordan out there with the charlotte hornets not doing great as, as <laughs> running the charlotte hornets right now even True. though he regards the greatest basketball player of all time doesn't necessarily translate in all cases but i think mark davis can lean on tom brady's football acumen because he's played the game before he's played it at a high level and he's he's part he's part of one of the most iconic you know franchise runs of all time so to have that on you know had to have that person to your shoulder and have that ear, I think it's I think it's a great addition 
for the Raiders front office. Tom Brady doesn't have to go in and make all the, the, the decisions, the personnel decisions to have an impact. Just his knowledge of the game, just what he's been able to accomplish can be can be very valuable for a Raiders franchise that's looking to find its way again. Yes. And and even though he said he would be a passive owner, that I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Garoppolo or the next quarterback that's going to be their franchise quarterback whenever that person comes. The fact that they can call Tom Brady, I'm not saying Tom Brady's going to insert himself, but if Jimmy Garoppolo's struggling or they're doing something or whatever, he can he can ask Brady ran the offense. He knows that offense like the back of his hand, clearly. So mm -hmm. to have him just around or on the phone available to you because he is part of the organization is going to be valuable. Here's the one thing that I would recommend that Tom Brady do. Actually, it's two things. And I think this would win over the fan base instantly. Are you ready? I'm ready for this. Opening, opening game Allegiant Stadium this year, which I think is week three. You start off the intro video right before kickoff. And it's Tom Brady welcoming fans to Allegiant Stadium. They boo him. I get it. They're going to boo him. And then he says, by the way, Raider Nation, it was a fumble. Boom. All he's got to do is say it's a fumble, and they will love him instantly. I'm telling you. Even though he kind of did in that little thing he did with Woodson anyway. But, but nonetheless, if he did that, and then number two, he should spend some time walking around to the tailgates at Allegiant Stadium and getting to know the black hole guys, all of the super fans. If he goes out and does a little bit of politicking, I think it changes overnight. For some people, for some <laughs> people, I think, I think there are some people who are going to see through his politicking. And I think there are some people and I've, and I've, but know, if it's genuine, fans, if it's genuine, look, I converse with some fans and they're never Tom Brady people. It's like, no matter what Tom Brady does, he's not part of my franchise. He's not part of our, our culture. He's an outsider from here on in because of not only just because of what happened, he's coming from a Patriots organization that a lot of fans felt like the Raiders could have been vaulted to prominence if that infamous game, that infamous play hadn't happened. So there are just some people, some fans, Raider fans in particular, who are never going to forgive Tom Brady for that, even though he didn't make the call. But because he was part of it, he benefited from it. They're always going to look at him as an outsider, no matter how hard he politics, no matter how many Raider babies he kisses, no matter how many hands he shakes, <laughs> they're going to look at him as an outsider. And and, yeah. and to your but to your point, that would be a great start uh, against the Steelers in their first home game. Him as a part owner coming out and just kind of making that a joke, but still just making light of it. You know, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, and I've never been a Tom Brady fan um, as well, but I acknowledge the greatness, and I do think having him as part of the organization will help increase the positive uh, image of the organization, right? N because I do think that his involvement in the NFL is always going to get a lot of attention. So Tom Brady will bring good attention to the Raiders. Now, if the Raiders don't succeed on the field over time and Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels don't succeed, it doesn't matter who he is, it's not going to help. But I do think the presence of him in the Raider organization will be a net positive. Scott, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat for a minute. <laughs> Just make believe this is a tinfoil hat for, for a quick moment, right? Okay, got it. So there are there are Raider fans who, who feel like the league is out to get them at every turn, right? True, true. And and, they, and and Mark Davis is viewed as an outsider because they, you know, everyone calls him he's oh he's the he's rich, but he's the poor among those owners. And he's kind of the outsider type. The way he handles business, the way he's more close to the fans than most owners are. 
people see Mark Davis as an outsider within his own fraternity of owners, NFL owners, that is, right? Tom Brady is viewed as kind of an insider. Oh, everyone loves Tom Brady. You hear stories mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, you spend five minutes with Tom Brady, you love him. Even <laughs> though you hate him for all the winning he's done and he, he beat your team 28, you know, came back on your team from t- down 28-3 and all of that stuff. When you meet Tom Brady, you love him. So Tom Brady is looked at as an NFL insider. So if that that could also help the Raiders because if there are situations where maybe the Raiders need some favor, hey, we got Tom Brady now. Our image is a little different now, but yeah. – we're not the same renegades from decades and years past. I know some fans hate to hear that, but let's be honest. The culture has shifted a little bit with Mark, Josh yeah. McDaniels, with Dave Ziegler, with Tom Brady now part of it. It's not the same Raider franchise that you grew up with in, you know, in, in the 70s and 80s. It's, it's, it's just a different franchise. And as much as it pains me to say that growing up as a Raider fan, it's the truth. But I do think t- having Tom Brady there, him being looked at as an insider and well liked within the league, I think that could help the Raiders out. Well, and and the, that's the that's the legacy. The legacy of Al Davis was which is undeniable, un, un, unquestionable, amazing, and what made that franchise great. It was Al Davis. There's no question. At the same time, I mean, I, I equate this. You guys all know I'm a UNLV alumni, right? So when when Jerry Tarkanian was the was the coach of the the Running Rebels. And they were on top of the world of the college basketball and they won a national championship in 1990. It was the same kind of, it was us against the world. If you ever watched the documentary on HBO about UNLV during those years, that's what it was about. No different than Al Davis. It's unfortunate that those two guys couldn't be alive in the same city at the same time. It would have been unbelievable. But like college basketball changed, the NFL has changed. And so that kind of fighting the system, all that stuff just doesn't happen anymore. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is to your point about culture change. So that's what I think Tom Brady in, and some people you're right. will never like him. They'll hate that he's part of the organization and that's their right. I got no problem with that. I'm not going to tell them how to fan, but I will tell you it will be a net positive for the organization and we'll see how it all works out. But I'm just interested to see how fan views change. If they do. Here's how Tom Brady can gain favor with Raider fans who say never Tom Brady. If he's involved, and I know he said he has a path, he's going to have a passive role. But is he? If he's involved in certain personnel decisions that work out and lead to wins, uh, you know, yeah. AFC championship appearances, Super Bowls, that's how you get the fans on your side. It, it all winning. Because ask Matt, ask most Raider fans, all they want to see is a winning football team, a good quality product on the field. If you win, things yeah. are good. When you're not winning and things are headed south, things are terrible. That's just the bottom line of it. Yes. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Tom Brady on his way to becoming a Raiders owner. And he speaks about it, which is the first time he spoke about it. So we'll, I'll be interested to see if the Raiders do any media as the season approaches with Tom Brady when they get to camp, if he visits camp. Uh, it'll be interesting to see a, a Raider-specific conversation where they delve into it and maybe get a little more out of him about what he thinks he might be able to do as part of the ownership group. It'll be, be fascinating. Whew. Anyway, all right, Mo. Well, interesting show, right? We're in the we're in the dead period of the NFL, but we roll on and have more. And of course, Thursday we'll be back. We'll have our mailbag segment as usual. We appreciate it. Send your comments and your questions to mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. You can tweet at Mo, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N on Twitter. You can also send your questions to me, LV Gully, or the show SNB today as well. And we'll get to those. Too. Mo, I know you mentioned your piece coming out tomorrow on Bleacher Report. What else you got going this week? 
So first of all, as I mentioned in an earlier segment, Bleach Report piece coming out on potential training camp holdouts. Obviously, Jazz Jacobs is one of those players. And again, I'll go over what are the options he has, what are the options the Raiders, Raiders have, and what is the realistic outcome of what's going to happen before July 17th or after it. Uh, now I have another piece coming out on Sports Night, just going over an overview of of what to expect in training camp. You know, who's who's going to be a star at this position? Is Divine Diablo the guy at linebacker or should the Raiders go out and still add a linebacker? If you listen to previous shows, you may have answers to that question. I have specific answers to it. <laughs> but basically, it's just a it's just a it's just a, a close the curtain on the spring and a preview toward what's going to happen in the summer. Because as you said, there's going to be some off time for for the players, but not us. We're still spinning the wheel, still working on some pieces, some quality content for the fans out there. Oh, yes. We've got lots coming up here over the rest of June and into July, getting you prepared for camp. Some big guests coming down the road, and we'll share those with you soon. My friend, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Sounds good. See you soon. All right. So there you have it. That is Silver and Black today for this Tuesday. And we will be back with you on Thursday. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you for being with us on YouTube as well. Thank you for the comments and the live chat. As always, lively. Thank you all for paying attention to us and giving us a little part of your day. We hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you on Thursday. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Take care, Raider Nation. <laughs>